Hello there. Welcome back to the Ladies of Golf podcast, where we introduce you to women involved with the game of golf. I'm your host, Abby Liebenthal, founder and president of For the Ladies. This week, I'm so excited to introduce you to Kelly Valentine. Kelly and I met while playing golf together during the U.S. Adaptive Open Championship Media Day. For those of you who don't know, the United States Golf Association, the organization that runs the U.S. Open and U.S. Women's Open, is hosting the inaugural Adaptive Open this July. The U.S. Adaptive Open is a new national championship that will showcase the world's best golfers with disabilities. The field will include 96 players, with at least five male players and two female players per impairment category. And those categories include arm impairment, leg impairment, multiple limb amputee, vision impairment, intellectual impairment, neurological impairment, seated players, and short stature. Kelly became an amputee following an automobile accident that resulted in the loss of her right arm above the elbow in 1993. It was so inspiring to play golf with her that day at Media Day, and I'm excited for you all to hear her story and her journey to golf. Enjoy. We'll we'll take them as they go. (laughs) All right. Well, let's dive into your quick nine. Um, What is your favorite social media app? Um, probably Facebook. Yeah. Um, what's the last song you added to a playlist? Oh, I listen to like XM radio, so Mm. I have a ton of playlists, but I listen to a lot of Elton John. Love it. Okay. Um, do you prefer playing nine holes or going to a driving range? I prefer to play nine holes. Okay. What is your favorite golf apparel brand? Um, Anything that has a elbow length sleeve. An elbow length sleeve. Got it. Yes. <laughs> um, what is the last book that you read? Um, it has an explicit word <laughs> in it. That's okay. Uh, Un-F your brain. Who's it by? Do you know? Um... It's Renee, but I can't think of her last name. You want me to look? Yeah. Okay. I'm like a audiobook person. Me so too. I probably listen to a couple a week. Faith G. Harper. Hmm. All right. Fair enough. Harper. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Um, okay. What, um, do you like music or no music on the golf course? Definitely music. Yes. Um, what is a podcast that you recently listened to? I listened to the Glenn and Doyle podcast. Um, um, Glenn and Doyle is a psychologist and she's married to Abby, the soccer player, the famous soccer player when it took her shirt off. Oh, uh, Mia Hamm? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, what is your like most favorite golf course that you've played? Uh, it was a course in uh, Mexico. I think it was called... Uh, um, geez, you think I would remember the name? 
something Pacific. It, hmm. It's now private. It's right on the ocean. Um, I think Tiger Woods designed it. Oh, but like the driving range has a really cool, um, like speakers in the ground and everywhere and like a smoothie bar. Oh my gosh. Fun. <laughs> and then every four holes, there's a, what they call a comfort station. Okay. And they like serve you like a mini meal. Oh my gosh. Is it Pacific Palisades? No, God. it's, um, I keep wanting to say Pacific Dunes, but that's like part of the abandoned dunes thing. Also tops on my list. Yeah. Um, we'll have to look it up. Yeah, I know. I have a hat. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, this is your last one, what is your biggest pet peeve when it comes to golf? Um... I don't know. Pretty easy going. Yeah. Usually it's staring, but I don't really mind people staring. Yeah. So they're just curious and usually they'll come up and ask questions. Sure. So it's not really a pet peeve, but you know, every girl gets a little self-conscious here and there when people stare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like being a female, sometimes you're like in the minority as it is when you're at a driving range and then add the element, of, yeah. you know, being an amputee, you're like, goodness gracious people. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Um, how and when did you get into golf? When I graduated from college uh, in 1993, my dad got me golf clubs. And he said, oh, it's a corporate sport. You're going to have to play no matter what you do. Um, because I'd played softball through college. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, played nine holes with my brother. Um, I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. It's not that hard, you know? Yeah. Supposedly for fun. And uh, put the clubs away. and you know, then I lost my arm and then I started playing serious. Okay. And when, what is the timing of all of that? And like, how, what was the timing of separation? I guess I lost, got the clubs in 93, lost my arm in 90 in May, 93, got the clubs, lost my arm in November, 93. And oh. I was competing nationally by 96. Crazy. So what parts of the game came easier to you? And then what parts were maybe more challenging? The driver and the short irons, relatively easy. Okay. It's, uh, fairway woods. I still struggle with fairway woods. Which are harder, I would say, like for every golfer too. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, with like having a competitive spirit playing softball, um, were you seeking competition or did you find the game therapeutic? Like what was the driving factor for you to like start getting into the competing side? Well, cause I, my dad kind of challenged me. Okay. So my first thing was to beat him, um, and to be fast, mm. play fast and beat him, you know, so I could dispel any myth about women in golf. Yes. Yeah. We're not slow and we will beat you. Right. <laughs> um, and then, um, actually my dentist son lost his foot 
uh, trying to jump a train, not the brightest thing, but kids do silly things. And he told me about an amputee golf tournament. So, and it was like 10 minutes from my house. So I showed up, that was my first tournament and kind of never looked back. That's crazy. I, you know, I think it's really cool that you just like dove in because I think the biggest thing with a lot of people getting into golf is like, there's just, there's so much information out there. And then at the same time, there's, you don't even know where to look or where to start, but you seem to kind of just like dive right into everything. Well, it's, it's what you can do. You know, you know, you only get one, one trip around, so you got to make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, so once you played in that first event, did that sort of just like open the doors to the greater adaptive golf community? Yeah. And I played, you know, regular league golf too. Okay. You know, so I played, I guess what we would call normie golf, Yeah. um, you know, in leagues and, and such and on the weekends with, you know, family and friends. And then that first tournament kind of gave me the tournament bug. So then after that tournament, I went to Boston for a national tournament, having no idea what I was even getting myself into. Yeah. Um, but met so many nice people and I haven't missed a, a national amputee golf tournament since 1996. That's awesome. Um, you use the term, term normie, if you don't mind explaining what that means to people listening. <laughs> Anybody that isn't adaptive. So a normie would be anybody that doesn't have any type of disability. Sure. Okay. Uh, Which is kind of not fair because, you know, we all have disabilities and some just aren't as visible as others. Sure. I like to say my fiance's, uh, he's a AN above the neck. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, you're, you mean, you're certainly in, like very involved in the world of adaptive golf too, um, with the national amputee golf association, the EAGA, um, did you, you know, for you, was it just like, I just like want to be involved in this community? Well, it was partially that and women and at the time when I joined, people under the age of like 60 were very underrepresented. And okay. I was in my 30s and a woman, and I thought if this organization or adaptive golf in general is going to be advanced for women and you know younger people, then then I want to be part of that to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And did you see any, like, were you able to implement anything that you felt? like welcomed more women of either your age group or otherwise to get involved? Yeah, to a certain part. I mean, yeah, luckily it's not a huge population. We're not out there trying to actively recruit, but if if you fit the mold, you know, I was looking you up or, you know, the hospital sometimes would call and say, Hey, we have a new amputee, you know, would you mind coming and talk? Yeah, and absolutely. I was all, all about that. Yeah. That's cool. What would you say your golf schedule looks like today? I don't golf enough. I work too much. Um, I made it a goal after our media day in Pinehurst Yeah, that 
you know, if by chance I was chosen, I wasn't going to go make a fool of myself. And uh, that required some practice and more playing. Typically, uh, like last summer, I played Wednesday mornings, maybe once on the weekend, and, and somehow expected to maintain a, you know, under 15 handicap. Right. You know, which would come out some days and I'm like, wow, you know, this is easy game. And then other days I'd be so mad at myself, but I didn't have any right to be mad at myself because I didn't put the work in. Right. Right. Which goes for anyone. Like if you stop practicing, your game's going to kind of just like plateau and you're going to stay the same as you are. You're not going to necessarily improve. (laughs) Or you pick up a bad habit and you just can't get rid of it. Yeah. And the middle game of golf is so incredibly strong. Like once you plant a, yeah. a thought or, or a bad swing, you know, biometric in your head, it's not going to go away. Right. You, you got to kind of beat that out. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you have to prove to yourself that that's not really there. That's, that's just your mind playing tricks on you. Right. It's a habit you can get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you, when we played golf during the U.S. Open Adaptive Media Day, you shared that you studied broadcast journalism and then shifted. What is your career today? I am a mental health therapist. So I have my own practice and I see, um, I see clients a lot, like, you know, 10, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, since COVID, the, there is a definite shortage in mental health services out there. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of overextended myself partially because of need and partially because well, I'm a kind of a work hard, play hard person. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to put everything into what you do, which is a good thing. We need people like that. <laughs> um, and uh, do you... Uh, do you feel like that helps your golf game at all? Uh, the mental health therapy. Um, I think that it, it grounds me, Mm. you know, golf is a game. I mean, I would love to say that I made my money playing golf, but not going to happen. So golf is a game that I am blessed to be able to enjoy And sometimes when you work with people that are struggling with daily life and you get to kind of take that hat off and and put on your, your golf hat, you really realize how blessed you are. Yeah, definitely. We get so caught up in like trying to be good or, or if we have a bad shot, we like can't get over it. There's more than that. Yeah, that was when I was younger, obviously, I was more intense about beating myself up about bad shots, but bad shots are going to happen. The way to get rid of a bad shot is to make a better swing and replace that thought. Yeah, definitely. Because it's over. Right. Not pulling it back. (laughs) Yeah. When you play in more competitive events or even like leagues, um, do you like put on more of a competitive hat? I actually play better with the quote unquote normies than I do with my peers. Yeah. Um, I think because the expectations are different from Mm. 
my, you know, normal playing partners. And that kind of gives me a little like drive. Like, yeah, you're not going to kind of underestimate me. Sure. Yeah. I may have just like put my shoes on in the cart and slammed my trunk to make it to this tea time. (laughs) But, you know, I'm also going to be very focused and, and play well. Yeah. What, I mean, I can tell you what I thought the best part of your game was, but what part of your game do you think is the strongest? Um, I'm not sure. Definitely wasn't putting that day. I don't think any of us were. (laughs) I I like to think that I have a decent short game. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. What did you think my best, best part of my game was? Well, Yes, your short game. I would say like, I thought 125 yards in was like really good. But then you had some drives that were just like bobs. I was like, oh, there she goes. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't know about that, but the the driver is like freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, swinging a driver is like freedom. Um. The mid mid game, that gets in my head. The short game is all confidence. You know, it's oh, like definitely. it's like picking a spot and your mind telling your body to hit that spot mm-hmm. and just knowing you can do it. You know, with the freedom of the drive, though, is also it can be wild, <laughs> you know, so you have to kind of tame it down times. Yeah. So. And I know we also talked about a little bit about your equipment because you use men's regular shaft. Yeah. And length, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you choked down a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I just got comfortable that way. Right. Right. And you've always, you've just always played that way. Mm-hmm. I had clubs fitted at one point, uh, women's clubs, and they just got too whippy, too short yeah. and too whippy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I do, I did want to ask you a bit about moving forward, um, which was formed in 2015. What, what is the mission of the organization? Well, the mission of the organization was to put together a group of disabled golfers and we all happen to be amputees, but I don't know that that's necessarily something that has to happen going forward. Sure. To, put the disabled golf community in a light where uh, club professionals, teaching professionals, um, courses in general would be more adept to teaching, uh, accommodating, accepting um, players of all different calibers. Yeah, yeah. And what are maybe some of like the concepts or opportunities that you would want to bring to people who participate? Well, I'd love to be able to have clinics and we have started in conjunction with um, the National Amputee Golf Association. We run what's called a first swing clinic Mm. um, all across the country, uh, usually before like uh, a tournament or even a professional tournament. Uh, where we'll put out an advertisement for disabled people to come out to the course where where the um, 
you know, the tournaments being held so that they can get a feel for tournament golf, but in a, at a driving range and see that, you know, through watching other people and professionals that have been trained, that it's, it's not as hard or as intimidating as it looks. Right. Right. Which is certainly what we do with four ladies. It's just a, a different group. Mm-hmm. Um, um, were there any sort of like concepts or themes that you wish you would have known when you started that you would want to bring to these people in clinics and just, um, there, there shouldn't be any stigma around golf. Golf is a sport that anybody can play. I mean, if, if you attend some of these adaptive golf clinics and in, or tournaments and you see blind people playing, you see people that uh, have cerebral palsy that at a standstill shake so bad that they can hardly, you know, focus. But once they make that swing, it's, you know, smooth. Yeah. And people without limbs, any limbs, you know, swinging a golf club from their armpits. It's, it just shows that the mind is our only limit. And if, if you want to participate in something or, or achieve something, just do it. Right. But you can find a way and, and, you know, people want to help you do that Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm what, I know that, you know, the field isn't final for the U S adaptive open. What was it about coming at least to the media day and just like seeing it kind of come to life, like seeing the golf course and people there to cover it. Um, what did that mean to you or did it get you excited for the opportunity? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it kind of took disabled golf to a whole nother level. Mm. Um, I've played so many prestigious courses but it was a group of us going to a course, somebody knew somebody, you know, a member, it led us on, you know, yeah, kind of like, wow, you guys are great. You're inspirational, you know, so it's not like it wasn't important or it, it didn't leave a fulfillment in myself or in, in the other participants, but being in Pinehurst with the USGA backing the tournament who, you know, backs every other prestigious tournament just had a whole different feel to it. It it was, you know, a little more serious feeling, but yet a feeling that it's serious because it means something. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited for July. Um, I'm really excited to see the field come together. Um, and I think we're, I'm excited to see competitive golf in that way, mm-hmm. in a way I hadn't before. So, oh, and people will just be amazed. I mean, we have some really, really talented golfers who, who will definitely shoot under par. But the amazement isn't just in their talent, but it's in seeing the people that struggle even more than them, you know, play 18 holes, you know, to finish on a a course that that's challenging and 
you know, put their absolute best out and, you know, no, no holes barred. Right. Right. Yeah. USJ championships are, are a treat. You just feel different when you arrive. You're like, Oh, this is like, this is the best of the best. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be great. Well, what, and I don't know if you can even speak to it, but what is kind of next um, for moving forward in the organization? Well, we kind of hit a, a, a big road block when, yeah. when COVID hit. Um, we had some relationship building with some major companies that were going to help fund us. They kind of just put a halt. You know, it's not a no, but it's a let's wait and see type of thing. Um, so we're, we're in a regrouping stage and we're going to get out there and, and do some more kind of that sales work, pitch, pitch our organization, you know, let the community know what we have to offer and how that'll benefit, you know, the community as a whole. Yeah. Well, one of these days we'll have to do a, for the ladies clinic with moving forward. That'd be absolutely. That'd be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what's next for you? Are you, do you have golf plans this summer? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a tournament, uh, towards the end of May Okay. in Pennsylvania. Um, I think I have one in June. I think I have one every month this summer. I'll yeah. be going to England in August, uh, for what's called the Phoenix cup and, uh-huh. I think we play against like three other countries. So wow. That's, That'll be fun. That'll be my first time um, competing as a team. Yeah. Overseas. Yeah. I've, I've gone to tournaments in Italy, Australia, you know, okay. a bunch of different places on my own, but this is the first time as a, as a team. Yeah. Interesting. Is it a small group? Is it a small team, small team of four or something? It's eight. Nice. I, eight i'm the only female is it like a rider cup style um like exactly sure different formats maybe that type of thing probably uh, maybe a few yeah i think it's uh i think it's just stroke and stapleford I'm okay not sure about rider cup nice nice well that's a lot of golf and will you play in your leagues and stuff this summer too um I play Wednesday mornings with my fiance. Um, I don't know if I'll play in the ladies league or not. Um, I probably will. It's just, I have to budget all my time. Right. Yeah. Work. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm debating whether ladies league or more range time. Mm. Yeah. Somehow. I'll probably figure out how to fit them both in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have the priorities. Yeah. Is it, is it warm up in Erie yet or? Today was warm. Today okay. it was 70 nearly, but I think Sunday it'll snow again. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, what were my concern for you? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a crazy time of year. Yeah. It could be 75 or it could be 35 and snow. So bizarre. Well, the last question I always ask for women who come on the podcast is just what advice do you have for people who are looking to get into golf? I would say just grab a club, grab an iron, swing an iron, 
do it in your front yard, do it on your lanai, wherever you have the space to do it and get the feel, yeah. you know, progress to some wiffle balls and then definitely take some lessons. It, it's not really a sport that should be self-taught. I tend to agree. Need that expertise. Yeah. Well, that's why we have all those wonderful pros out there. I know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the time. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And I, uh, I hope to see you in July. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For the Ladies, visit us at fortheladies.net and on Instagram at fortheladies. That's F-O-R-E. Thank you.